have you been in a situation where you knew something, but you did not know where the knowledge came from? It was really weird, and you don't believe in telepathy. You just understood immediately, without the need for conscious reasoning. You just knew it, like, intuitively. You had a feeling that things were a specific way, but you didn't know why. I want to give you some examples of what intuition may look like in real life. And then I want to share what it looks like when it comes to parenting. Even if you do not believe that you have much intuition and knowledge when it comes to caring for your young child, I'm going to show you how you may have more intuition than you realize. I'm going to discuss some of the science behind intuition and I'm going to ask you what parts of your feeding come to you intuitively. We're going to explain that. Let's start with some real-life examples. These are real-life examples where things just seemed a little weird and the person couldn't figure it out. One of my friends recently told me what happened to her when she decided to take Spanish in high school. Okay, so many of us have taken Spanish in high school, but listen to this one. This is really interesting what happened to her. She went to her Spanish class on that first day and looked forward to learning how to speak Spanish because that's why she was in Spanish class. It's not like she thought that she knew Spanish somewhere. On that first day, the teacher started to speak to the students half in English and half in Spanish. I can imagine you can put yourself in that situation where, where on your first day of language class, they're not going to just be speaking Spanish fully. They're going to be using some English too. Anyway, so the teacher said, Hola, como esta? And my friend knew what he meant. Hello, how are you? Okay, so most of us know what that means, but there was more. The teacher would say many other sentences in Spanish on that first day of class, and my friend intuitively understood their meaning. She knew exactly what the Spanish language teacher was saying in Spanish, with not knowing how she knew. In fact, for every single class for the rest of that semester, she automatically knew what the professor was saying without having to look up any word. She got a perfect score in her Spanish final exam without having to study, and she got picked up Spanish speaking rather quickly. When she told me the story, I initially thought, how strange. How do people just like pick up a language without ever hearing it before or thinking they've never heard it before. I don't just wake up one day and intuitively know how to speak uh, Hindi or Mandarin. I just don't, for instance. I would need to go to school for many years before I understood those languages. But for my friend, the Spanish came naturally. She just had this natural ability to understand Spanish without knowing the why. And I'm a scientist. I'm a physician. I'm a scientist. I like to do research, and I didn't know why. Now, you might be asking yourselves, what is the scientific explanation for this ability to just understand the language that you think that you have heard for the first time? For the longest time, my friend did not have one. She would go around saying, I just have this intuition that translates Spanish into English for me. It's like a superpower. Like, I don't know if any of you are into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. and They have their superpowers over there. Well, my superpower, I have one too, is speaking Spanish. 
Yeah, people don't go about understanding languages that they haven't heard before, unless, of course, you believe in the gift of tongues. Some people believe that this supernatural ability to speak in human languages that no one has learned comes from the divine. Yet, for those who do not believe in the gift of tongues or, or do not believe that the gift of tongues happens to many people out there, what's the explanation for what my friend experienced? Hmm. For the longest time, my friend couldn't figure it out either. Then, one day, she was talking to one of her friends about her early life experiences. And she was speaking to your parents. And her parent casually mentioned, You know, until you were around the age of three, you had a full-time nanny who spoke only in Spanish. She would speak to you only in Spanish, but the rest of the family would speak to you in English. I don't know if you remember anything about your nanny. You were so young. People don't remember things when they're, you know, three. Or so the th thinking is. Aha! What my friend thought was this intuitive superpower of speaking Spanish was in fact rooted in having learned the language as a young child. She just didn't remember what happened to her when she was one, two, or three years old, do you? There was a logical explanation behind what she thought was an intuitive gift of language learning. She wasn't a superhero in the Marvel Universe. Now, I could go on and on and give you more stories like that, but the truth of the matter is that this podcast is about caring about your young child who is experiencing challenges around food or feeding, like food allergies, picky eating, feeding tubes, only dream feeding, like challenges around food or feeding. I want to discuss how you might have more knowledge about parenting than you think, and I want to discuss how some of it will come through your intuition, and what is parental intuition? We're going to this episode is about the science behind the intuition. Probably at least. Hi, neighbors on this feeding journey. I'm Dr. Ivka with the Feeding Handbook. I empower mothers whose young children have challenges around food, limited variety of foods, loss of appetite, or medical symptoms that might contribute to their fear of feeding. As a family physician turned life coach whose own child struggle with feeding, I get you. My mission is to guide you on this feeding journey in an actual research-based way. As I've been there and done that, the marks to prove it and will help take away your fear and confusion. You have been feeling overwhelmed with a childhood challenge around mealtime behavior, big eating, a feeding tube, only during feeding, oral aversion, sensory defenses, or food allergies, including F5. It's your time to feel different. Let's do this. Just remember this opinion-based education here. And I'm not your doctor or feeling therapist, even though I am a doctor in real life. I'm just not one here on the podcast. Go see your regular medical professionals. This episode is sponsored by your ability to work one-on-one -on -one with me if you would like. I'm available at the time of this podcast. You can reach out to me through the Dr. Evka website, the website of the feeding physician. In the contact me section, you can reach out to me and we can talk about meeting one-to-one. -one. You can do this. Just like go on the website, contact me. You can do this. I know you can. Have you heard the phrase helicopter parenting is so 2010? What's now in is more hands-off. It's called intuitive parenting. No, forget about the 2010. Think 2021. Intuitive parenting is an approach where the parent doesn't get their hands on every single parenting book. Read it, memorize it, and try to apply the concepts to real life. It's exhausting. 
many of the intuitive parents out there will ask, who has time for that? We're in the pandemic years when we have to juggle so much, including homeschool jobs and other chores around the house, including taking care of our children. Following one's intuition when it comes to parenting doesn't require so much reading or studying. Instead, when you're following your intuition, you let the situation play out naturally. You take action based upon when your intuition says to intervene. What does that even mean? Let's talk about the definition of intuition. It's the ability to know something without any proof or evidence. It's an inner voice, a gut feeling, a sixth sense, or a mystical knowledge that seems to come out of nowhere. Intuition is real, and it's based on science. It can help you figure out how to best parent your child. Parents can make decisions without the use of analytical reasoning. That's because we gather so much information from our environment without necessarily perceiving it on a conscious level. We can then make decisions or perform certain tasks based upon this information. In the case of my friend who understood everything that her teacher said in her high school Spanish speaking class without knowing how she understood it, her brain was remembering a language that she had learned over a decade ago. She did not have conscious awareness that she had learned Spanish from her nanny when she was a baby and a toddler. She thought she may have a Marvel superpower. Even after she understood all that her teacher was saying in Spanish, she still had no idea how she knew it. All of this language understanding happened on a more subconscious level. What does this have to do with parenting? I'm assuming you are not Wanda in WandaVision, for instance. Wait, well, you have been around children in some way for at least a decade. And how do I know that? Well, I'm thinking at least a decade because you have to be a certain age to have children, right? So I don't have too many nine-year-olds or seven-year-olds who have children. Anyway, in the time you got to experience being a child, you learned a thing or two about other children. You were around them. You also learned uh, quite a bit about what it is like to be a child. Because, hint a hint, you were one. A lot of parenting is about going with your gut because there are no perfect answers. If I gave you one particular scientific explanation, I could probably also find another explanation to refute it. If your child is crying, your gut is probably telling you to go comfort your baby. Your more scientific brain might be telling you the same thing, but the gut is still involved. If your baby is fussy, your scientific brain might go through a list of possibilities about why your baby is fussy and then try to figure out the real reason Like after making that list. One of those logical hypotheses is that your child hasn't eaten hours and needs food. In the meantime, your God might just want to tell you, hurry up, you will have hours to think about this. Your baby is hungry, go get that snack for them now. When we experience the stress of a very fussy baby, our flight or fight mechanism might be activated. While we are experiencing fight or flight, 
a part of our brain is screaming, danger, save yourselves, become less stressed, go do something to stop your baby from being so fussy. That doing might consist of trying to feed your child. As parents, we can get a sense of when our children are hungry even without them uttering a word. They don't have to say, I'm hungry. Even without going to the pile of food in your house, picking out some food and eating it, because some children do that. Like I have a friend whose daughter, you know, she's hungry and she doesn't eat enough during the day. So in the middle of the night, she goes downstairs to the refrigerator, picks out some food and eats it. Anyway, after, and that's how she knows, that's how the family knows that she's hungry or she hasn't eaten enough that day. But after all, some children with significant challenges around food or feeding might not answer to tell us I'm hungry. We might say to ourselves, our child never shows signs of hunger. But in reality, many of us still have an intuitive subconscious sense of when our children might want to eat food, even if feeding consists of putting something in their feeding tubes. Let me give you another example of following your intuition might look like. Are any of your children in feeding therapy where applied behavioral analysis is being done? Uh, ABA. This is what a feeding session using applied behavioral analysis might look like. Let's discuss a session with a little girl named Amy. The feeding therapist sat Amy in front of some food. Amy was told, If you want to watch two minutes of your favorite television show, you first need to eat five bites of food. That applied behavioral analysis would cheer Amy on. After each bite, Amy will be told, Good job! Yeah! You're so much closer to watching television. You only have four bites to go, or three more bites to go. Eventually, Amy would eat all five bites of food. At that point, she got to watch two minutes of her favorite television show. At the two-minute mark, the show would be stopped. The behavioral analysis would tell Amy, Do you want to watch more of your favorite television show? Amy would nod her head as if to say yes. The behavioral analyst would then tell Amy, Then go ahead and have another five bites of food. Once you're done with the five bites of food, you can watch television again. This cycle will repeat itself over and over again. Ring around the rosy. How did the feeding therapist know when to stop feeding Amy? In one of two ways. The first way is kind of like more scientific. You go out, you buy a gram scale, and you start weighing the food. The feeding therapist can make a guesstimate about how much children should eat at Amy's age. For instance, the feeding therapist could think, Based upon children of Amy's age and weight, she needs 500 grams of food, or some other percentage grams. Then Amy wouldn't be able to leave the table until she ate those 500 grams. However, what if 500 grams was too much for Amy? What if eating that much food would lead to her feeling too full and perhaps feel sick? You know, you can feel sick when you eat too much. On the other hand, what if Amy actually needed more than 500 grams of food? What if she was still hungry after she ate 500 grams? Having Amy eat until she digested a specific portion size is one way of ending a meal, but it's more scientific, it uses equipment, and how about the intuition?
there is another way. The other way has to do with intuition. So the other one did not, this one does. This other way is knowing on the subconscious level when Amy is full and needs to stop eating. This is done by following Amy's cues and knowing subconsciously when Amy looks full and the meal can be done. Almost all of us have experiences with eating and watching others eat. We develop an understanding of when someone with whom we are feeding or with whom we're having a meal looks full. It might be a change in their body language or perhaps in their tone of voice. There's a pattern to people's behaviors when they are hungry. And this pattern looks different from how they look when you are there full. Our brains can pick up on this pattern and it becomes part of the subconscious information that we store in the parts of our brain tied to intuition. Let's talk about pattern recognition. About 20 years ago, a computer beat the world's best chess player. Yeah, a computer that. About five years ago, a computer beat a professional player of the game of Go. Go? You ask? What's Go? It's a game that's considered to be one which requires a lot of intuition. It's more complex than chess. It's a game where many professionals make winning moves without fully understanding why they make the moves. They use their intuition as a mental shortcut. What do the computer's win of the game of Go teach us? There are scientific explanations of much, not all, of what we describe as intuition. And parts of it are tied to pattern recognition. You have to remember that computer is not intuitive. So if it can uh, beat a very intuitive game like Go, then a lot of that intuition is tied to pattern recognition. And we're all trained in pattern recognition. We have been practicing pattern recognition for the vast majority of our lives. We often do this on a subconscious level, but we remember these patterns. Let me give you another example of how I use my intuition this week. Okay. So as a physician, I see patients and someone came to me with the results of their blood work. They had the abnormal hormonal levels in a number of different hormones. Hormones, people, hormones. Hormones, reproductive hormones, hormones that really don't get talked about that much in family medicine. As a family physician, I haven't been involved in the intricacies of interpreting the results of testing that looked at hormones that really don't get discussed that much. They're usually ordered by subspecialists and the patients never show me the lab work. Yet, I was able to interpret those results and I was able to interpret them correctly. How come? I hadn't looked at those particular hormonal levels in years and I didn't do much reading about them before having a conversation. What made a difference is my intuition. After seeing patients for years and years, as well as going through the rigors of medical school and residency, where you learn about hormones and you get to see the lab work of thousands of patients, I've gotten used to seeing patterns in patients and their lab work. It's a trained skill that requires years of spent seeing patients as a physician, but this pattern recognition comes in handy. I'm so trained in that pattern recognition that years later, when I'm looking at lab work that I haven't seen in years, I can still tell you about it. And I'm not telling you about it because I've been reading about it recently. I'm telling you about it on, in an intuitive way because I was 
taught all those patterns from the years and years I spent in my medical education. You have pattern abilities too. They come from so many of your prior life experiences and they can play a role in how you parent. You remember what it was like when you didn't feel so good. You know, as a child, when you didn't feel so good, you can pick up a similar pattern in your child, even if your child doesn't say a word about how they feel. Perhaps they have a particular look or a specific hand gesture that clues you in. Perhaps when they are sick, they'll have the same energy level. They're kind of sluggish. Yet many of us can sense when our child is sick. And this has to do with intuition. It has to do with being an expert in your child and knowing when they're not acting like their usual selves. There are other parts of the parenting where you rely on your intuition too. Part of the way that we parent our children has to do with how we ourselves have been parented. If the expectation at the dinner table was that you, a child would finish everything on the plate regardless of how much food was put on the plate by someone else, then parent might ask. Hmm, that child needs to finish her plate too. However, your intuition may tell us, I don't want to force my child to do anything. Do you know how hard it is to force my child? There's something wrong with forcing our child to finish her plate. Perhaps that intuitive part of us, which is different from what we saw what our parents do, is something that we need to listen to. Parenting can be complex work. You want a successful outcome for your child. For instance, you want your child to start to feed in the more age-appropriate way. Or you want your child not to experience major symptoms of food allergies. Yet the paths towards achieving these outcomes can be uncertain. All kinds of unexpected things can get in the way. At that time, intuition can be quite helpful in making a decision. It involves a combination of the ability to excel cues, pattern recognition, past experiences, and a gut feeling. Perhaps we're like the Spanish-speaking friend who just knew in her gut how to speak Spanish, but had no idea how she knew. We might never know why our gut is telling us what it is. We might never know. You know, in my friend's case, eventually she found out from one of her parents, but what if they hadn't told her? We might never know. Yet there's a reason for it. There's a reason for our intuition. And sometimes by following our gut, we can tap into our unconscious and do what's truly best for our child. All right, that's enough for now. Any questions? If you do, contact me. If you do have questions, you can discuss them with me by just submitting a comment. Eventually, I'll have this episode on my YouTube channel. You can hit subscribe, like this episode. Do the same thing here on the podcast. Hit subscribe. Rate it for me, please. I'll try a comment right back. If you're listening to po- uh, this episode and you want to go on my website, Dr. Evka, D-O-C-T-O-R, and then E-V-K-A the feeding physician, please do so. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me by getting my mail list or subscribing to my free course or just by contacting me. Thank you so much for another episode of this podcast. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Feeding Handbook Podcast. I'm just doing